Do you know what I like about cats? What's that? Their noses. I'm Sarah. And I'm Adam. And this is Meowcast, a podcast about cats. So Adam, we have to email the vet and let her know how Sammy's doing. So recently, Sammy was having problems with the litter box. He was going outside the box, um, not far from outside the box, like right in front of the box, there would just be puddles. Sometimes he would even stand in the box and just go over the side. Sometimes he would purposefully just go outside of it. So we naturally first wanted to take him to the vet and make sure that it was behavioral instead of health. Yeah. So this week, we're going to be talking about litter box issues. If your cat is going outside the litter box or you're finding certain messes in other places around your house. And then Sarah's going to talk about presidential cats, uh, cats that lived in the famous White House. And we'll wrap it up with a Meow of the Week about a very special Maine Coon. So yeah, the vet uh, gave us some really great information. She really did. Yeah, she started by really kind of splitting the issue in two parts. The first being health issues, and the second being behavioral issues. Health issues are things that like we could not have seen. Like if he had kidney stones or a UTI or some other uh, bla- like inflamed bladder or some other kind of infection. Uh, and I was wanted to interject right there and tell a story. We had a cat. We had a cat. We, we talk mm-hmm. about this cat all the time, Seamus, <laughs> who um, he had a terrible UTI once when he was a kitten. And so we knew to be very cautious about this as a problem, which is one of the reasons we didn't waste any time getting um, Samuel to the vet because a UTI can go very quickly and get fairly dangerous in a cat. Yeah, so if you have these kind of issues, it, it's always good to go ahead and take that vet trip so that if it is a serious health condition, it's taken care of. So, and that's exactly why uh, when, on, when we took Sammy to the vet, uh, he got some blood drawn and they did a urinalysis. And it turns out he's in perfectly good health, which means that the issue is behavioral. The second part of uh the advice we got from our vet. So with behavior, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. First, territory and safety are key to cats when going to the bathroom. Just like us. You know, when I I use the bathroom, Mm -hmm. those are kind of the things that I'm really concerned about. That I'm (laughs) safe where I'm where I'm going to the bathroom and that the door or area is secure exactly and it kind of it seems really uh, kind of silly but it's true look put yourself in your cat's position think about what you want in your when you go to the bathroom in your area and and, and kind of try and apply the same thing to your cat uh, but here's a couple of more specific pieces of advice, and they're, they're kind of broken down into three areas. Where you place the box, what's in the box, and the box itself. So where you place the box can really influence the safety and security that your cat feels when they go. Uh, placing the box too far in a corner or too tucked away in a home can actually signal to the cat that their needs 
you know, and the same kind of needs that we have uh, are not important. They're not, I'm not saying put it in a, right in the middle of the living room, <laughs> but if you say put your, the litter box in a basement too far away from the rest of the house, it might signal to the cat, hey, you know, you should really be in the basement a lot more than we want you to be. And that's not always healthy. Uh, the second part is if the box itself is tucked away in a corner, the cat can have some discomfort when trying to use the box. You know, think of it like we do. We like to have bathrooms that are somewhat open and not a cramped space. Same thing for cats. They don't like to be penned in too much. And last, uh, when you have a multi-cat house like what we, what Sarah and I do, uh, you kind of want to go by the uh, one cat, one box, plus one approach. Which... So when you say that, you mean like we have two cats, so we would have two boxes plus one. If we That's had right. three cats, we'd have three boxes plus one. That's right. Okay. And that allows each cat to have their own litter box and and an extra box just in case one cat or another needs to use uh, a box in an emergency. If you think about it like a house, most houses, uh, whether they're small or large, have a one and a half bath minimum. You know, I always think of, you know, we, we live close to a, a older city and a lot of the smaller homes in that city are two bed, one and a half bath. It's kind of the same thing for cats. That's what they like to have as their um, optimal space. The next area is what's in the box. So obviously the biggest thing in the box should be litter. The kind of litter we use is a clumping non-scented litter. Clumping is just fine. It makes cleanup and scooping really easy, but the unscented part is really key. Remember, when cats go to the bathroom, they are marked, part of what they're doing is marking their territory. So making sure that that scent is not masked too much is really important to maintaining the safety and security of a cat when they go to the bathroom. I know Sarah and I used to use uh, liners in our, uh, for our litter boxes, and mm -hmm. sometimes they were good, but once our cats kind of got out of kittenhood, we found the liners really causing problems. Uh, Seamus in particular would yeah. tend to scratch through the liner and it would cause a real hassle when trying to clean it up. Uh, this is actually fairly normal. Liners are sometimes uh, a big hindrance to cleaning up a litter box and maintaining it. And uh, there's actually something I didn't know about until I looked into this, which is liners actually start to create static shock. Just like when humans shuffle their feet on a carpet, when cats paw at the litter like they tend to do, they can create static shock when rubbing against a plastic liner. And guess what? It feels just as bad when they get shocked in, a, in their box as when we get shocked when we do the same type of thing. So going along with what's in the box, Scooping your litter is part of a, a healthy, a part of maintaining a healthy cat's area. Yeah, I've heard cats really don't like messes. No, they don't. But there is a balance that needs to be struck. 
scooping litter every day or multiple times a day can actually signal to the cat that this space is not yours because really uh, scooping the litter is for us it's for is to save our noses yeah i had always heard that you're supposed to scoop at least once a day i thought that was what the vet had said but you're saying that it is not what the cats want well part of what the cats are doing by peeing and pooping in the same area is marking their territory if we're taking the scent of that area away from them it's preventing them from keeping a safe and secure area okay so i imagine it's kind of like if we go back to last week when we talked about their senses cats have a greater sense of smell than humans yeah so when we start smelling it we can scoop it because that means they smell it even stronger absolutely okay so the third area is the box itself there's obviously no small shortage of uh, different kinds of boxes, uh, different heights and and shapes that you can get, and a lot of them, and there's a lot of freedom that you can choose between to make sure that your cat has the best experience when using it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a couple of key rules that you should uh, keep in mind. The first, of course, uh, like we said, one box for each cat plus one. It helps maintain the cat's territory and make sure that it's a safe and clean environment for them to go in. So one big differentiator between boxes when you're shopping for them might be lidded litter boxes or non-lidded or open boxes. Yeah, I know our cats, I have a lot of trouble getting them to use the lidded, so we just don't even get the lids. Well, that might be because our one of our cats, Seamus, is an extremely fluffy cat. That's true. He has very beautiful long hair, and lids can actually be a real hindrance for long-haired cats. If you think about it like humans do, again, having a cramped space can really be a problem. In uh, the same way for cats who have a lot of fur, that fur ends up rubbing up against the lid and just creating what's called spatial discomfort. Uh, and that can really signal to a cat that this is not really a great place for you to use the bathroom and that of course is not what you want Mm -mm. so another big area of litter boxes would be these automatic cleaning boxes and you might have seen these in the store or might have seen them on Amazon they commercials too or commercials yeah they have usually an automatic cleaning mechanism either an arm or a sifter uh, some kind of thing that that turns on every hour or so or uh, every so often that just takes all the material all the waste material out of the box now first of all these things are expensive I yeah. mean we didn't spend more than 15 or 20 dollars on our boxes and I know that these automatic cleaning boxes can run upwards of a hundred to two hundred dollars yeah um, but they also have a major problem where that they can actually prevent your cat from using the box a lot of these boxes use motion sensors to make sure that they don't turn on when the cats around them but if those motion sensors get covered by litter or uh, malfunction they could actually start turning on while your cats using it and that can be a real problem imagine if the toilet just started flushing while you're on it 
<laughs> like the automatic toilets in malls. Yeah. <laughs> or even worse, maybe a bidet that turns on in the middle of, of using the toilet. That These are things that we wouldn't want as humans, and cats certainly don't want uh, when they're using their box. When you're cleaning a litter box, you want to keep in mind that there's a lot of their scent in in that box that maybe you don't smell. So trying to disinfect it in, within an inch of its life or scrubbing really hard might not be the best idea, especially when you're trying to maintain the safety and security of the litter box itself for the cat. Remember, scooping and, and removing the waste is really for our benefit, not the cat's. So besides problems with the box itself and where it's located, you might want to consider whether the cat is spraying or just simply urinating or, or pooping outside of the box. There's a couple of key things to look for to tell if a cat is spraying or going outside. The first is insecurity of territory. Cats only spray when they're feeling really scared, really insecure of their area. So if there's a way that you can give a cat their own space, say their own bed, their own area of the house, especially if you have multiple cats, that will really start to fix a problem of spraying. Would higher areas help as well? I know that they say that a lot of times cats like to go up higher, like vertical instead of horizontal space. Yeah. A lot of cats, you can kind of lump into two categories, tree, tree dwellers or bush dwellers. So some cats really do need that high space. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'd say most cats need that high space. There's occasionally you'll see cats who really like to keep low. They, they like to find kind of spaces, crawl spaces underneath things, so like underneath a dresser. Mm -hmm. um, other times... Tree dwellers will normally find their their space maybe on top of a closet or on top of a bookshelf. I know Sammy, he's a he's definitely a tree dweller. Yes. And he loves to sit on top of the washer and dryer and on top of the, the refrigerator. On top of the refrigerator. Yeah, he loves sitting up there. And then I think Seamus is more of a bush dweller because he likes to stay low to the ground. Another easy way to differentiate between spraying and simply going outside the box is where the where you're finding the issue. Cats will usually spray on vertical surfaces. This is because they consider it to be a territory marker only. If you start seeing the cat going on just the floor or in a corner, that's usually more of a sign that they're uncomfortable with where the litter box is. Another key indicator is the cat's posture while going. Now you might not be able to see your cat while they're doing this, but if you are able to, if the cat's tail is up while it's urinating, that's a sign that it, the cat is spraying, not simply going to the bathroom outside the box. Keep in mind, 10% of cats develop a problem with going in or out of the litter box at some point in their lifetime. Sometimes it can be health issues, sometimes it can be behavioral. If you have multiple cats, remember, multi-litter box households can be a great way to keep the peace among more than one cat. And remember, scooping and 
getting rid of the waste is really for our benefit, not the cat's. So try to scoop when you start smelling, but don't try and disinfect within an inch of the box's life because then you'll get rid of all the good scents that the cat is trying to put into it to mark their territory. And last, remember, patience is really key. Keep in mind, what would you like when you're looking for some somewhere to go to the bathroom? And that, more often than not, is exactly what your cat needs. That's great, Adam. Thank you for sharing that. That is a lot of really important information. So I think you've got a lot of great historical facts for us here. I do. So Adam and I have been watching, or I'm sorry, listening to the podcast Presidential. It's a really great podcast. They talk about the president's, she started with the first and she's going on until the election to the last. Yeah, it's, the podcast is from the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. And I do not remember who. I can't remember her name, but it's called Presidential. So if you just type that in to wherever you listen to podcasts, I recommend it. Anyway, um, so that got me thinking, since we really are enjoying listening to this podcast about the presidents, what about the president's pets? What about their cats more specifically? The third president um, of our country, Thomas Jefferson, was thought to have a cat, but it was actually a bird that sounded like a cat. It just was really good at making meowing sounds. That is so strange. Yeah. Um, Martin Van Buren had cats as well, um, but they were actually tiger cubs. So they were not the type of cat that you and I have. So what was the first true cat to be in the White House? The first true cat was Abraham Lincoln. And Lincoln loved cats. We've mentioned this before. So his um, son, Tad, had a cat named Tabby. And um, Lincoln reportedly fed Tabby with a gold fork at White House dinners. Um, He loved all of the White House cats, though. That's a really well-fed cat. Yes, it was. Um, so Lincoln would spend hours playing with cats. At one point, Mary Todd Lincoln was asked what her husband's hobby was, and her answer was simply cats. Now that is a cat president. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, and um, I would say that's my hobby as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so during um, a winter visit to General Grant's headquarters, Lincoln rescued three half-frozen kittens from a Civil War battlefield telegraph hut. He tucked them into his coat and brought them back to the White House to join Tabby before finding them a good home. Rutherford Hayes received the first Siamese cat in the U.S., and this cat's name was Siam. Um, she was sent to Mrs. Hayes in 1878 as a gift. So um, she was a mahogany-colored cat and was allowed to roam the White House and often made grand entrances whenever the First Lady entertained guests. Um, as, as she started to become older and ill, the cat was treated by President Hayes' personal physician, Dr. J.H. Baxter. Um, and then there's William McKinley, who owned two Turkish Angora cats, and they were named after the governor of Cuba and, the, um, and Spain's ambassador. So that's um, Valeriano Weiler and Enrique de Lome. Um, Theodore Roosevelt... Um, had two cats, six-toed slippers, and Tom Quartz. So Tom Quartz was named um, after Roughing It by Mark Twain. I've never read it. Have you read it? I have not. I have read a couple of Mark Twain books, but not that one. Me either, but now that I know that there was a cat in it, I'm going to have to give it a shot. Um, <laughs> so um, Slippers, which was the six-toed cat, had a habit of sleeping 
um, sprawled out in the hallways. And at one state banquet, guests even had to walk around her as they made their way to the dining room. That sounds just like our Sammy. It really does. Loves to sit right in the middle of the floor, especially the middle of the kitchen while we're trying to cook. Yes, he likes to trick people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then there's Woodrow Wilson, who owned a cat named Mittens and an American short hair named Puffins. Those are some great cat names. Yeah, Mittens and Puffins. So both cats um, enjoyed trying to leap on the dining room table during family meals, but they weren't allowed up there, so they were squirted with water to keep them away. Calvin Coolidge was a cat lover at an early age, and as a young boy, he saved a litter of kittens from being drowned. Um, While in the White House, Coolidge had several cats named Smokey, Blackie, Tiger, Bounder, Timmy, and Climber. That was quite a few cats. Yes, and Climber was a Turkish Angora who was also nicknamed Mud. (laughs) Um, So so Coolidge um, also owned a bobcat and two lion cubs at one point. And the cat Timmy um, slept with the family's canary, which was a cageless bird in the White House. And the bird would perch between Timmy's shoulders at night. And Tiger was a gray-striped American short hair who was often found walking beside the president or even wrapped around his neck. Now, um, Tiger and the president got along so well that when Tiger disappeared, um, President Coolidge actually made a radio address pleading for his return. And the radio was fairly new at that point. Um, so that was a pretty big deal at the time. He was, he was returned. Um, John F. Kennedy's daughter, Caroline, owned a cat named Tom Kitten. Tom Kitten even had his own obituary in the Washington newspaper when that time came. Um, But Kennedy did turn out to be allergic to cats and dogs, so he had to keep distance from Tom Kitten, but they kept Tom Kitten. Um, Gerald Ford's daughter, Susan, owned Shan Shane, a seal point Siamese cat named after a city in China. And Jimmy Carter's family owned Misty Malarkey Ying Yang, which was a Seal Point Siamese as well. Um, Ronald Reagan had two stray tortoiseshell cats, Cleo and Sarah. Sarah is spelled just like my Sarah, S-A-R-A, no H. Um, And they lived at their vacation home in California while he was in the White House. So they weren't actually in the White House, but they were his pets during the presidency. Um, and then there was um, Bill Clinton, which had a cat named Socks. I feel like a lot of people know about Socks. Do you, you do, right? Yeah, this was actually the first presidential pet I can remember. Yeah. So Socks was actually um, the daughter Chelsea Clinton's cat. They um, rescued her in Arkansas after Chelsea spotted the cat through a window during a piano lesson. Um, Clinton referred to Sox as the chief executive cat, and um, she also had her own fan page on the White House website and her own inbox for fan mail. Um, Also of interest, Sox was featured on a set of stamps issued by the Central African Republic, and her image was also used in the White House to mark routes for visiting school children, which I actually saw when I was a school child. I definitely went to the White House at one point and got to see the signs marking the way around the White House that had Sock's photo on it. Wow. It was pretty cool. Um, So then George W. Bush was the most recent cat president. Um, His family had three different cats. One was named Indio Willie Bush, and that was a beautiful black cat. Um, Then there was also um, Ernie, who was named after Ernest Hemingway, but was too wild to reside in the White House. So after a little while, they ended up sending that cat to live with friends in another state. 
And then the third cat, Cowboy, was said to be the president's favorite, but unfortunately he died of kidney disease shortly after Bush took office. So there were a lot of presidential cats. Yeah, quite a few. And I'm hoping that we'll have another presidential cat soon. This week's Meow of the Week comes courtesy of the New York Post, which recently met Samson, one of the world's biggest cats. That's right. This cat is a whopping 28 pounds. And he's not a fat cat. He's a Maine Coon. He's a big cat. He's four feet long. Wow. That is really big. Yes. So Maine Coons typically average 15 to 25 pounds for males. He's 28 pounds. So he's up there um, in size. And um, he loves to play. He plays games of fetch. He follows his human from room to room. Um, and he does go outside, but not on a leash and not without a leash, but in a, um, a cart. So he has like a little covered cart for his cat. And he said that it draws crowds of attention when he goes out because the cat's so big. So who? Oh, the owner. Who, who owns Samson? The owner of Samson or the parent of Samson, as I would prefer to say, is Jonathan Zerbell. He's a 42-year-old social media director and DJ, and he lives in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, so this cat is supposed to be a very good cat. Um, he costs a lot of money, though. Um, he eats a ridiculous amount of food. I think you said he eats six cans of cat food a day. Is that right? Um, he eat Well, he, he goes through... Four pounds of litter a week, up to six cans of wet food a day, that's right, and several bags of dry food every week. And then he also requires a $120 grooming trip every few months because he needs to be kept his fluffy best. So that's Samson, and that is our episode for the week. This week you learned about how to maintain a litter box and how to diagnose certain problems with your cat going outside of the box. We learned about historical cats in the White House, and we met Samson, one of New York City's largest cats. The largest cat in New York City. So thank you so much for listening. Um, please rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Please send us any stories you have about your cat to meowcastpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us or tweet us at Meowcast Podcast is our Twitter. You can also um, visit our website at www.meowcastpodcast.com and we will see you next week. Have a perfect week. Bye. Bye.